and welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of the Commissioners for Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs and Frank A. Smart and Son Limited. And the citation for this case is 2019 UKSC 39. The respondent in this case, who I will refer to as Smart and Son, own a farm up in Aberdeenshire, Scotland. In reality, Frank Smart Jr. is still only young, and so the whole operation is owned and run by Frank Smart Sr. Anyway, that isn't especially important. The relevant point to make here is that Smart & Son received an EU farm subsidy called the Single Farm Payment from the Scottish Government. The subsidies were available for farmers who met certain criteria, but perhaps the most interesting thing about them was that they could legitimately be traded, and so quite a market sprang up for the Single Farm Payments, or SFPs for short. Smart & Son took great advantage of this as the company looked to further expand its business, and they ended up spending £7.7 million in order to obtain more than 34,000 SFP units. The dispute in this case has its origins in the value-added tax that was paid in acquiring these units. That in itself is fine, but where a taxable person has had to pay VAT themselves on goods and services, it is possible for them to reclaim that money, and this is known as input tax. The amount of VAT paid by Smart & Son was in excess of £1 million in the end, and so you can imagine that he was keen to reclaim this from HMRC. However, HMRC argued that Smart was not acting as a taxable person at the time, and so the question became whether the money from the SFPs was in fact being used to develop the business. The first tier tribunal found in favour of Smart as it was decided on the facts of the case that there was an intention to use the income to do things like build new farm buildings, purchase a neighbouring farm, and even to develop a wind farm on the site. The exact quote from the judge in that case was that the funds represented, quote, a wholly integrated feature of the farming enterprise, end quote. An appeal by the government was consistently rejected by the courts, and so the final throw of the dice was an appeal to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick the case up. The justices had to consider the answer to this question in the light of the various and disparate authorities. This includes not only the UK's own Value Added Tax Act 1994, but also the VAT Directive from the European Union itself, and the resulting case law that has been handed down by the Court of Justice of the European Union. The starting point was to think about what it means to have and operate a VAT system. The value added in value added tax is a reference to the value added by the business or other taxable person, and so if they are acting in the course of that business, it is by definition unnecessary for them to have to pay the tax. That is why there is an input tax system that allows the taxable person to claim that money back. This right arises immediately, but obviously there may be some delay when it comes to actually claiming the input tax, as well as a delay in actually using the goods as part of the economic activity that the taxable person is engaged in. 
Economic activity can include a range of things, but is certainly broad enough to encompass fundraising for future endeavours to be undertaken by the business. Of course, there is a big difference between whether a person's three-day spa weekend is a business expense compared to investing in new supplies. Those are extreme examples, but where there is a dispute, it is for the court or tribunal to adjudicate, and this is based on the objective evidence presented in any given case. The question that they must answer is whether the taxable person is acting for the purposes of an economic activity, and that can include the examination of a range of factors, such as the nature of the asset obtained, and how long the period is between the purchase and the purported economic activity it is being used for. In the case of Smart and Son, the development of the farm is clearly a legitimate economic activity that exists in the course of business. It is true that there may be some delay between the acquisition and the proposed development, but to some extent that is to be expected in these circumstances. So, as we now turn to our own analysis of this case, the starting point is to perhaps say that it is easy to see why HMRC have gone after SMART. The handing out of farm subsidies is generally accepted by the public as a necessity. It is by no means an easy job and farmers can go through difficult times. As profit margins shrink, it seems harsh that someone could lose their farm and their livelihood because of something that is beyond their control. Indeed, even though the UK still looks set to leave the European Union at the time of recording, it is likely that the EU farm subsidies would be replaced by a domestic equivalent instead of getting rid of them entirely. However, something that people don't like is the abuse of this system. A number of people and organisations take advantage of the system despite limited interest in farming. This includes in the UK a Saudi prince the National Trust, the RSPB, the Mormon Church, and even the Queen herself. Amongst this infamous crew, though, it is Smart and Son who come top of the leaderboards. In 2015 alone, the farm pocketed nearly £3 million in payments. Now, I don't know enough about farming to say how much of a legitimate interest Mr Smart has in agriculture, but I can tell you that the farm's website hasn't been updated in quite a while, and pictures of the farm itself do not paint it as a hive of activity. That is why HMRC have made their move, and the £1 million in VAT payments is not to be sniffed at either. Nevertheless, that doesn't make it a good idea to pursue the case when the legal argument is just not that strong. We have now seen the government fail at all levels of the court hierarchy, and the fact that this episode of the podcast isn't even that long tells you that there wasn't much to go on. Whether we consider the actions of Smart and Son to be legitimate in the court of public opinion is neither here nor there, really. It was demonstrated in court that the proceeds of the farming subsidy would be reinvested, and that was sufficient for the economic activity required. The problem here is not with Mr Smart, no matter how shameful his behaviour, or even with the legal principle itself which has a genuine purpose in that it ensures that businesses are not on the receiving end of double taxation. Instead, the issue is with the government that has dealt ineffectively with the issue right from the start. Not only is the law wide enough to permit this gap to be exploited, 
But instead of actively legislating against this type of behaviour, the government has tried to shut the door after the horse has already bolted by pursuing the most egregious offender on fairly spurious grounds. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this episode, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. Remember, if you do get a chance to check out my website, then please do so at uklawweekly.com. You can get a free ebook there and also sign up for my email newsletter at the same time, where we're discussing various top- topics, especially Brexit at the moment. So that's uklawweekly.com. I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye!